Welcome to the Who's Hooping Podcast, hosted by Sean Crow and Kari Williams, where we discuss all things UVA men's basketball. We look forward to breaking down the current team, what's to come in the future, as well as some of our favorite and toughest Wahoo moments. We plan to give you guys the content you love to hear, whether you're a diehard fan that's been around forever, or you just found out about the team this past week. So stick around, lay back, and listen to two average guys tell you all about it. So it's Kari at the moment. Uh, me and Sean recorded the episode, and the content was awesome. Great conversation. Um, and as all things in life, we went back to listen to it, and then bad Wi-Fi kicked in. So uh, there are a few parts that you might need to just bear with us a little bit, but the content and the conversation was really awesome. A lot of great stuff going on there. So we decided to post the episode regardless, um, but to make sure that everyone knows we're talking about, because uh, it does kind of stop at some spots where we're in a transition phase. Uh, the topics we cover on today's episode include um, the highs and lows for me and Sean as UVA fans, a season preview, so we'll get into the new faces on the team, our minute projections. We then get into our schedule overview. We go over our records for how the season will go, and then we get into some individual accolades we think for the team. But Overall, hope you guys enjoy this episode and looking forward to getting the Wi-Fi and technical issues configured and buttoned up on our side. But for now, go Hoos and thanks for listening. Hello, welcome to season one, episode one of I'm Sean Crow, joined by my co-host, Kari Williams, and we're excited to kick off our new podcast. Kari, how are you doing tonight? Doing good, man. Uh, we're getting this a little later than we expected, so instead of a start of the season, we get to know that UVA starting off 1-0, but looking forward to chopping it up and breaking it down with you. Absolutely, man. So to give everyone a, a quick little intro of ourselves, uh, Kari and I, we're both UVA Class of 2018 guys, and... Uh, we lived together first year in our dorm at Courtney and kind of hit it off from there as uh, avid UVA basketball fans. So that is translating itself into a new podcast. So we're, you know, we'll see what frequency we do this with, but we're, we're excited to talk some UVA hoops on a semi-regular basis. So um, without further ado, I say we jump right into it. The, the first thing we wanted to go over today is so. Kari, maybe I'll turn it over to you to start with your your biggest high as a UVA fan and your biggest low as a UVA fan. Yeah, man. Well, I'll break it break it down a little bit. I know I got into the uh, UVA fandom a little bit after you, being from North Carolina, so being a UNC fan at first. But I would say the biggest high, honestly, would probably be there was a huge game. I think it was UVA versus VCU. Uh, this is back in 2013. I remember this being like probably the first UVA game I actually watched when like UVA was on my radar as a school to go to where the interest was starting to grow so 2013 I think we actually we may have lost that game it was a close one I think we lost like either buzzer beater or a tight one down by three but just remember that being like one of my first UVA moments and being really excited about the team so that's probably my entryway into it so I'll start that with my high and then I'll kick it over to you yeah that's a good one I was your high because I was at 
I do remember, you know, 20 songs. Very exciting game. Um, yeah, I mean, so, like, I, I grew up, you know, my dad went to UVA, so I grew up a big UVA fan in state and all that. But for me, my high was being at the uh, 2014 ACC uh, tournament uh, championship game against Duke. Um, I think it was, like, 71 63 or something like that and uh joe harris he had this uh three-pointer in transition which you don't see too many uva teams take transition threes but he drained it and it was just the best feeling ever you know growing up duke is always the arch enemy in basketball so just kind of dethroning them and i think in that game like coach k got a technical so just a lot of a lot of good memories from that game and i was down there with my dad so and that was right became you spring high school so not to turn to a a sour note here but how about your your low well as you're gonna say i think was that the uh was that the pin game where coach k got teed up for throwing his pin i think it I remember being at the game. I remember getting teed up. I don't remember what it was about, but just one of those ironic moments of uh, both of us being at the same stadium before actually even knowing each other. Right, right. Yeah, it might have been. My memory's escaping me a bit, but yeah. Yeah, I'd say loads. I could take the easy one, just talk about uh, UMBC, but I'll I'll stick with the 2013-2014 season. We'll have to talk about that Michigan State loss. Um, just coming off that ACC tournament win, uh, being at that game, seeing the team, Joe Harris was playing great. Malcolm Brogdon was doing awesome. It was kind of funny that uh, Joe Harris got all the accolades and a lot of the love, but I think Malcolm Brogdon actually was our leading scorer that year. And just for the real fans that like watch really, really, really in depth, like you could kind of see the uh, brilliance that you now see with the Boston Celtics. But uh, we just had a really good team. That seemed like a really great year. Uh, little did we know in five years, six years' time, we'd get that national championship. But that just felt like a really awesome opportunity. And Michigan State just kind of stole one from us there. So I'd say that's probably my low, sticking with that one season. Yeah, no, that's that's a good one for sure. I think uh, that was a really exciting year. I think that was kind of the start, you know, the come up, you could say, of UVA on the national contender scene. I feel like maybe that was kind of, we arrived to the scene, you know, a little earlier than expected, perhaps, and then maybe we weren't quite ready for March basketball yet. But, um, but yeah, that's a good one for sure. And and for me, I would go with the uh, twenty sixteen. It would have been, and the, I, I think a lot of they would probably have the same low as me. That was twenty sixteen, our second year, but uh. I was just such a fan of our team that year. I just – I thought we were so deep. I, I really was convinced that that was going to be the year we were finally going to make the Final Four again. Um, you know, we had that big second-half lead. I think we are up like 12 points, 10 points, something like that. And then Malachi Richardson just went crazy. And uh, we kind of kind of folded with the, uh, the press that Syracuse put on us and uh, – it just unraveled all too quickly, and that was that was a really tough one for me to swallow. I remember I was watching that game at Boylan Heights, and uh, yeah, the uh, the tide turned for the worse there at the end. So that one still haunts me to this day. But um, yeah, that's what we got for highs and lows. 
Yeah, man. I mean, just, <laughs> just reliving that Syracuse game it was a rough one. I think that started my uh, love and, uh, you know, I won't say hate, but my love and discomfort sometimes with our system where those runs just tend to happen. And it always seems to be that there's a tough UVA game somewhere where one of those runs kind of just kicks us in the back and we're just down big and we'll be up big. And then just next thing you know, you blink and then big run happens and it's uh, either a tight game or we're back down and having to claw back. So hopefully not too many of those more in our future. I'm sure we'll have one or two at some other point that will be making this highs and lows segment, but uh, yeah, Syracuse, what a tough one. No doubt. So next up, we're going to do a little season preview. Um, so, you know, we're not going to focus too much on last year, but coming off a year where we ended 21 and uh, 12 and 8. I believe we were the quarterfinals of the NIT before losing a nail-biter at home against St. Bonaventure. Um, so that was last year, uh, but we want to talk about this year. So, um, you know, we, we returned a lot of the same guys from last year. Uh, we're recording this the night of the NC Central game actually after the NC Central game. So we were able to see that the uh, starting five was the same starting five that we used last year. So we return a lot of familiar faces. I think we even um, – I, I don't want to get the number wrong, but I think we returned something like 86% of our minutes played from last year. Don't quote me on that. But um, we've also got some exciting new faces that we're adding to the fold this year uh, in a – Neely, who has missed basketball. Uh, Ryan Dunn, who comes from a prep school uh, up in New York. Another four-star guy. And then Leon Bond, who we just received word tonight that it's looking like he will redshirt. Um, you know, never know if those plans could change due to injury or anything like that. But right now, it seems like that's the plan. But he's got that Wisconsin connection with Tony Bennett. And then uh, UVA fans all too well are familiar with Bennett Vanderplas with the uh, Ohio, you know, that we, we omitted that one from our lows, but that could have been a contender as well. The Ohio uh, first round loss of two years ago. So those are kind of our newcomers. So Kari, I guess taking a look at this roster, um, first off, maybe we can start with the new guys. What excites you about the new guys? Are there any one or two in particular that you're, thinking can really make an impact for us this year. Yeah. Just kind of give me your thoughts on, on the new faces on the team this year. Yeah. So I think UVA did a good job uh, putting together a solid class. I think uh, Sean, we've been watching the uh, transfer portal, the recruiting, and it was a definitely a slow burn. I think a lot of these guys besides Isaac McNeely were kind of towards the end of the wire or like late edition. So it was just kind of great to see the class come together um, overall, I think I'm honestly really excited for Isaac Trout just to see how he starts to develop. Um, big man with some touch. I don't really think there's like a great UVA comp of the past for what he could be like. So I'm really curious to see how he continues to build, develop. Um, based on tonight's game, seems like he might have to fight a little hard to work his way into the rotation and break through. Um, we know Coach Tony Bennett loves to keep that rotation pretty tight at around eight or nine guys. Uh, I think we played nine tonight, and he was not one of them. So 
may not be a great season to see all his brilliance, but I think he'll definitely show some flashes and some spot minutes and definitely hopefully continue to grow and be a cornerstone for the future. Outside of that, um, Isaac McNeil is an easy one to say. Uh, some flashes of Kyle Guy in terms of shooting ability, um, that sneaky athleticism that Kyle Guy brought. Uh, so I think it'll be a really cool year to see just how some of these freshmen, uh, excuse me, how these first years uh, integrate well into the team. But there's always that fact that Tony Bennett's not known for playing first years. If you look at some of the numbers from some of those greats, like a Ty Jerome, a Kyle Guy, they were not starters. They started games sporadically, if ever. Um, the minutes were never really that great. And these are guys that went on to play in the NBA and bring us a national championship. So I'm interested to see what we can do with some of these first years and just if they're going to break through Tony Bennett's lineup. Yeah, no, you're, you're spot on with that. And, you know, interestingly, you brought up some of the, the high-name recruits we've had, like Ty Jerome, Kyle Guy, and kind of the relatively tame first years they had. Well, interestingly enough, the first year that we saw play the most minutes and have the biggest impact was one of our lowest recruits, and that was Kihei Clark. So, you know, you never really know how these are going to shake out. Um, but definitely, you know, Tony Bennett has shown that until you um, maybe not master the pack line, but until you have a very comfortable grasp of it, you're not going to get too much playing time. And, uh, yeah, so, I mean, I think, like you were mentioning, Isaac McNeely is probably the one who's most ready to step in and, and play a consistent role of the incoming class. Um, you know, he comes in at a position of need, I would say, where, you know, we lost Cody Statman on the wing. We, um, you know, I, I see your reaction over there, Kari, but um, we have minutes, I should say, in the, in the backcourt with, um, you know, Carson McCorkle transferring out, um, Kihei, Reese, obviously, in the backcourt. But I think there's definitely room for kind of a, especially with Isaac McNeely, the report in the offseason has been that he's shown himself to be a better-than-expected secondary ball handler. And so um, I think he's going to have ample opportunities to earn playing time and uh, really establish himself in the rotation. Um, he went to Polka High School in West Virginia, where I believe they actually played the pack line defense in high school. And certainly going from playing it at the uh, – High school level to college will be a transition, but he's at least got some familiarity with it. Um, and then I would also say that uh, Bennett Vanderplaz, not a freshman, but he being an experienced shooter at kind of a stretch four position, I think he is going to bring some much needed uh, spacing and shooting to the team this year. I think we saw last year a team that was devoid of shooting talent and kind of how that made the offense struggle and so inconsistent throughout the year. Um, the front court is a little bit crowded, but I think you're going to see some different combinations of lineups with the, the bigs. I think we have a pretty, pretty good idea that, you know, Jaden Gardner, Caden Shedrick, uh, Vanderplaz and Kafaro are kind of going to be the four that get the bulk of the playing time in the front court. So I think Vanderplaz will have some good opportunities, and I, I think his shooting could be a real asset for the team this year. Um, so those are kind of the new faces, but I guess like taking those guys in 
with the uh, the returnees that we have this year, how are you feeling about the overall roster this year and kind of some of the different lineup combinations that we might see? In terms of roster, I think we're as good on paper as possible. I know you mentioned there's some crazy stat out there. I think it may have been either Fox Sports that put it out there or one of those Twitter channels that talked about returning minutes. It was kind of funny to see that, like, oh, UVA is returning a ridiculous percentage of the offense and just minutes played last year. And for some fans, that actually was a bit nerve-wracking to see what was coming back based off of how he performed last year. I think Tony Bennett has a lot of options for how he wants to do some things. I think in terms of shooting, we definitely have on paper more shooting. Uh, never want to say the shooting exists until we see it in action. I know we thought we were getting a great shooter from Indiana who – he played a great game tonight. He shot really well from three. Um, last year, shooting from three was not great, but one dribble pull up after that, incredible. So <laughs> the difference those few inches can make, but hopefully we can continue to keep the shooting. It looks great on paper, but hopefully the shooting definitely transcends uh, into gameplay. But I think he has a lot of lineups. If he wants to go small ball and stretch the floor a little bit, similar to how we try to play more of a five-out offense under Jay Huff, Sam Hauser, and Trey Murphy, it seems like we have the pieces to be able to play that a bit more. If we want to try to focus more on running sides, mover blocker, we have great big men for screening like we had with Jack Salt and Mamdi Diakite. Um, and I think Caden Shedrick and Jaden Gardner. Um, there's just a lot of a lot of diversity that we could do with this team and just a lot of different lineups we can throw out there. I think it just kind of comes down to how do the pieces start to come together. And I think this might be a team where we start to see its true form in January and February, similar to how we did last year. No, yeah, I think you're definitely right, Kari. And I think one thing I'm really excited about with this this year's team compared to last is, um, you know, we mentioned all the returnees that we have, but of course we also talked about the first years. And I think we're going to have a lot deeper of a team this year. You know, all joking aside, I know we we already got our first, like, Cody Statman laugh out of the way with, but, you know, last year really the only bench pieces we had were Kafaro and Statman. That was really kind of our seven-man rotation. You even saw some extraordinary you know, like Malachi Poindexter minutes. Not a whole lot of Tane Murray, Igor Milicic, or McCorkle. Um, but this year, I think the first years that we're bringing in are maybe in a much uh, more game-ready um, position, I would say, at least with McNeely. And then, you know, I know he's not a first year, but Vanderplas being a a fifth-year transfer with uh, some pretty impressive accolades from uh, from Ohio. So I think, you know, we've got the returnees that we mentioned, but I think our, our new faces are, are much more ready to play. Um, so I think we're going to have a much deeper team this year. And I think, you know, depending on the matchups and the opponent, Tony's going to be able to tinker with his lineups a little bit and, you know, pair some different guys together. And I think that that's exciting for all of us as UVA fans. So, um, Car, next, how about we go into some minute projections? So, kind of making sense of the roster and the, the depth we have at each position. Why don't you kind of give me your maybe initial starting lineup, and do you think it'll change throughout the year? Do you think it'll stay the same? And then kind of how you think the overall minutes will be shaken out in terms of who's going to be playing off the bench. Yeah, so in terms of starting lineups, I think we're going to ride the same lineup from last year pretty pretty steadily. I think it's going to be that backcourt of Kihei and then Reese being able to bounce between who plays primary ball handler versus who plays slightly off ball. Um, Anon Franklin, um, 
being able to come in and shoot the ball and be able to just attack the just defenses off the dribble. Jaden Gardner there at the bit of an undersized four, but definitely makes the most out of his space and makes his presence known. And then we might see some shifts between Shedrick and Kafaro as we did last year, depending on who the matchup might be, if one's playing better than the other, if we need more defense versus offense. I hope Shedrick continues to do well and establish himself as that consistent starting center so he can have a bit more, I guess, just consistency, uh, for lack of a better word. But overall, I think Kihei and Reese are probably going to be around 25 to 30 minutes. I think these two are still the cornerstones of our defense. They pressure the other team's ball handler effectively. They make each other's job a lot easier. If Reese needs to be primary ball handler, I think we can slide Kihei to be the main defender. If we need Kihei handling the ball more, we slide Reese to be the main defender. But I think the two of these guys just play so well off of each other. Uh, Gardner, I think, is going to slide in there right around probably 25 to 30, just a little bit under them. But I think these three are going to be our main guys getting the minutes. Franklin, probably a 20 to 25 guy, and same with Shedrick. I think he might actually be more of 15 to 20 due to foul trouble. I do think sometimes he was a bit more foul prone than he needed to be. Uh, but in terms of our starters, I think all of them are probably going to be seeing more than 20 plus. Uh, where things get a little tricky is when we start to get into the bench. Vanderplaus, I honestly haven't seen enough of him uh, besides the unfortunate Ohio highlights against us. But it seems like he's in a unique position where we could use his shooting and he could be in a great spot. But also, as you mentioned, the front court is a little crowded. Uh, Kafaro brings that defensive presence, that rock wall, and definitely some size that we need. Um, Gardner does have a little touch to it, not a three-point line shooter like you would have in Vanderplaus, but I think we might find him some spot minutes, maybe around like 15 minutes, 10 to 15, give or take, as that six-man coming off the bench. McNeely probably hovering around a 10 to 15. Uh, I think he'll see some struggles occasionally, just once again, being a first-year in Tony Bennett's system, not always the easiest adjustment period, but his shooting will definitely make sure he sees the floor. And... We start to go down from there. I think you get into some of the smaller instances. Tane Murray, I think I think Tane's right there at like that Tony Bennett cut line of who sees the rotation once ACC play starts, the tougher non-conference game. So I don't mean to slight him, but I think he's going to have to be there right at that five-minute max where he probably plays a little bit in the first half as a situation maybe a little bit in the second half, but I think he's probably a one-half player and then just gets used situationally. And the rest of the guys might actually end up having to be blowouts. Isaac Trout might be a five-minute guy as well, too, just to, once again, add a shooting touch from the big man perspective. But outside of that, Leon Dunn, excuse me, Ryan Dunn and Leon Bond, I just don't see them really cracking the rotation. And same with the rest of the squad. So I think our final number is going to be right around nine. I didn't really keep track of the math I did there, but I think that gets me to my uh, right around 200. Yeah, no, that definitely shakes out. And, and yeah, I would say I see the roster overall very similar to you as far as minute projections go. Um, you know, one thing that we've seen with Tony Bennett's starting lineups at least is he he doesn't change it up too much. He favors experience. And so – you know, we saw the North Carolina Central game tonight where, like we mentioned, same starting five as last year. And I do think, at least to start the year, I wouldn't think that that would change. I think we're going to be seeing that lineup of Kihei, Reese, Armand, Jane Gardner, and either Shedrick or Kafaro. I'd probably say Shedrick uh, for the most part. But, um, but, yeah, I'm still seeing that as kind of the starting five. And then similar to you, I am seeing – 
um, McNeely, Vanderplas, and Kafaro as the definite three off the bench that I think are going to play, you know, fairly consistent minutes game to game. And then like you, I kind of would put um, Tane Murray as that number nine guy. And it's kind of a question of, you know, how big of a, of a uh, rotation does Tony keep this year? If he keeps it at nine, I think we could see Tane Murray give us, you know, five to 10 minutes a game. If it's, if it's only eight, then it might be more situational. Um, I don't think that we're going to be looking at too substantial of a role for Isaac Trout this year. That being said, he just has so much talent and potential that I can almost guarantee you there will be at least like one non-conference game this year where Trout just goes for like 20 or something. Like I I could just see him, um, you know, for those that followed the, the Europe tour this summer, I think there was a game where Trout led the team in scoring with something like 18 points. So, uh, he's just so talented and can really shoot it that I I feel pretty confident that he's just going to have at least one non-conference game where he just goes off. And all the UVA fans are going to be clamoring for him to be in the rotation. But the fact of the matter is that the front court, as you mentioned, Kari, is just very, very loaded this year. So, yeah, I would probably go something along the lines of Kihei 25 minutes, Reese 30 minutes, uh, Armand Franklin, you know, probably 25 minutes. Gardner, again, about 25 minutes. And then um, Shedrick, 25 minutes as well. I would probably have roughly 15 minutes for Isaac McNeely. And then I actually think Vanderplaz will probably be right around 20 minutes, if I had to guess, because I think we will see him at the three, uh, some in addition to being at the four. Um because of his ability to shoot the ball, I think that he could slide down to the three with some bigger lineups if he were paired with, say, Shedrick and Gardner, um, you know, for example. And then, so let's see, that's seven. That I, oh, and then Kafaro. I think we're going to see Kafaro 10 to 15 minutes. And then, um, you know, Tane Murray, I think, you know, probably right around where he was last year, which was about eight minutes, I believe. Um, but Tane Murray last year only played in about two thirds of the game. So hopefully he's able to kind of get a more consistent role this year. And then Trout, I think will have some, some flashes. Whereas like you said, I think for Ryan Dunn, we're not going to see a whole lot of him this year. And then it was announced today that uh, Leon Bond is likely to redshirt. So yeah, that's kind of our, our take on the minutes for the year. And I guess, you know, not to to set UVA Twitter ablaze or anything, Kari, but I think uh, with some of the COVID fifth-year decisions that we had this year, which were Jaden Gardner coming back and Kihei coming back, you know, a lot of UVA fans were wondering how those were going to shake out. And in particular, of course, there's a conversation of Kihei and Reese playing together. Can they play together? Uh, does the two – two-point guard system work. I don't know, Carr, do you have any overall thoughts about how you're feeling about Kihei and Reese sharing the, the floor again this year? Or? So I feel like I've thought about this in a lot of different ways. There are days where I'm like, oh, I don't love it, days where I'm like, this is incredible. And I think I'm ready to stamp my opinion on this is actually incredible. 
when you think about what you're asking both of them to do, I think you need both in the court at the same time. You're asking either Reese or Kihei any given night to be assigned to the best player on the other team at that guard position. You're asking them to also run a team that needs to be disciplined and focused and use up the entirety of the shot clock to get the best shot possible. You're asking them to be able to score on offense, facilitate. I think for how much they're being asked to do, it helps to have both of them on the floor. And I know we talk about the shooting isn't as great from the two of them together. And I think that's where Franklin needs to come in. We went out and got Franklin specifically to be a three-point shooter. Last year, he was not a great three-point shooter. Um, As I mentioned before, he was great off one dribble, catch, um, high post, mid-range. Really, really incredible numbers the way he played. And what you don't see in today's game is often just as solid as a mid-range game is at. So he definitely has a future being a next DeMar DeRozan, hopefully. But hopefully this year he shoots three ball like he did at Indiana. He shot over 40% his, I believe, freshman year at Indiana, and that's what we were hoping to get out of him. So when you have him shooting the ball well, when you have Jaden Gardner having that mid-range touch, when you have Shedrick being a great defensive stopper and then being able to just be a lob man, and then also when you add the shooting that comes off the bench, I think it frees up uh, Kihei and then Reese to really focus more on just being defenders, facilitators, and then just getting the offense running. And if they do shoot the ball well, that's a plus. Um, I think the biggest thing is we just need others to be able to generate the offense around them because I don't want to rely on both of them to be our offensive stalwarts. So, uh, yeah, as I said, I'm stamping it. I am a big fan of Reese and Kihei in the backcourt together. Uh, Some people may yell for me to hop off this podcast after one episode, uh, but, no, I'm a big fan of it. Nice. Yeah, this is definitely the – probably the most divisive, you know, current UVA basketball debate. So I'm sure there will be some games where everyone's agreeing with you saying, oh, we love this. And then other games where people are like, oh, you know, split them up. Like we, we need a uh, TA to be our sixth man and uh, we don't want them sharing the floor. So we'll kind of see how that debate evolves throughout the year. But, but yeah, I definitely think, uh, you know, for all the kind of mixed opinions that are sometimes voiced, by the UVA fan base about Kihei in particular. I think uh, one thing that is undeniable is that he's like one of the winningest players in UVA history. And uh, although there are some limitations to his game, you know, I think having him back for that fifth year with all of his experience that he has, um, you know, I think, I think it's really going to benefit this team in the long run. So, so yeah. Um, but yeah, I guess that's kind of what we had for for kind of minute projections and, and roster overview. So next, maybe we could talk some about the schedule. Um, so really uh, intriguing schedule this year. So Kari, I know you and I both have season tickets this year for the first time. So that'll be fun getting down there to JPJ for a lot of games. But, um, you know, I think uh, at ACC Media Day, Tony Bennett, said that he thinks this is probably the most uh, challenging roster that he's ever, or sorry, schedule that he's ever had here at UVA. And uh, I think I would have to agree with him. Um, so we kind of start the year with three mid-majors at home, North Carolina Central, Monmouth, and Northern Iowa. And then we head over to Vegas for the Continental Tire main event which I will actually be at and I'm pumped for. But uh, we start with Baylor over there, who is, I believe, number five 
to start the year, and then another top 25 opponent, whether it's UCLA or Illinois, we don't know yet. I think UCLA is like number eight to start the year, and Illinois' ranking is right around ours, like maybe low 20s. Um, we've also got an ACC Big Ten Challenge game at Michigan this year, um, and then a non-conference. We've also got Houston at home. Um, so that's kind of four upper echelon um, non-conference opponents on the schedule this year, which is really exciting. I think um, it will definitely be beneficial in the long run. You know, it could lead to some early losses, but, you know, with that competition level in mind, I am more than okay with that because I think it'll, um, it'll kind of really allow us to see where we stand early on in the season. And I think there will probably be some – some lessons learned in those games that will benefit us in the long run. So Kari, maybe we'll stop there and uh, get your thoughts on the uh, non-conference schedule. I guess I should mention they end it with Albany after, after the Houston game. I didn't mention that, but, uh, but yeah, thoughts on the non-conference slate. Yeah. So I think Tony Bennett, he's always done a great job of trying to challenge this roster um, throughout the non-conference schedule where we have Houston um, at JPJ this year. I know before we've had Villanova, we've gone to Villanova. We usually try to get us a non, like a really strong non-conference game with someone that's at a power five position. So I think we've always done a great job of trying to keep this challenging. Um, I do, I am glad to see us going to this event in Vegas. I will not be joining you out there, but definitely will be looking forward to some of that high quality basketball, especially against Baylor, um, they have a stud freshman right now. He didn't have a great day today, but overall, I think he was pretty solid on assist. Didn't have a great shooting day, but still made a huge impact. UCLA returning a great roster and Tiger Campbell as a point guard and then also Jaime Jaquez. So I think they'll be a great challenge. And then Illinois is just a part of a really crowded Big Ten. Not a top-heavy Big Ten, but a very crowded Big Ten. So um Either way, I think for the non-conference, we have a great opportunity. I'm excited for Michigan. Uh, Jet Howard was not a super, super high recruit. Wasn't like a top 25 five-star guy, but it's getting a lot of love. Really just showed out at the Iverson Classic and got a lot of praise there. And I think tonight he was the leading scorer or close to it. Shot maybe five or ten. We definitely have some really interesting games on the schedule for the non-conference. And I think if we can make it through this gauntlet of a non-conference schedule we have um, with hopefully minimal damage. Um, ideally, walk out of it completely, uh, you know, unfazed and unbeaten. That'd be my ideal. But I think we'll have a really good sense of who we are going into ACC play. The biggest thing that worries me, um, last season, we were, I think we had a similar schedule. We had some really tough challenges, some good opponents to focus on, but I think we looked a little too far ahead to some of those tougher non-conference games, and that's how you end up with us dropping games to Navy, us dropping games to JMU. Uh, we had a tough game against Iowa, and Iowa you know, turned it around and became pretty talented with uh, – Keegan Murray and all their just accolades they received last year. But I think we do have some trap games on the schedule too that we need to be careful of. I think Northern Iowa is a game where UVA needs to make sure we're firing on all cylinders and that we don't have a let up. Um, So I think it's a really challenging schedule. I think this will be a really good opportunity for us to learn about this team, grow with this team, and then also see how strong attention to detail and focus is for some of these games that could be a bit more overlooked. Yep. Absolutely. Yeah, hopefully we can avoid that 
early season loss that we always – I wouldn't say we always seem to have, but there have been quite a few years lately where we have one – at least one non-conference loss that kind of leaves you scratching your head. So hopefully we can avoid, like, the the San Francisco loss or, like, the JMU, like you mentioned. Hopefully we can avoid a loss like that this year. But, yeah, definitely an exciting slate to look forward to. I know the uh, the Houston game is at home. Um, that's kind of the only – of those upper echelon non-conference games will be at home, but the uh, the two Vegas neutral site games and then traveling to Ann Arbor will certainly all be good tests. So we'll kind of see how it shakes out and what we learn about the team. Um, I think from a fan perspective, you're going to learn exactly where this team stands earlier on this year than maybe we could say in most years past with just how – how many tough games there are out there. So, um, yeah, it'll definitely be exciting to see. So then um, turning over to the conference schedule, of course, we've got the same conference opponents every year. But what changes year to year is, you know, who you got at home, who you got away, and then who you're playing twice. Um, So we start the non-conference schedule – or, sorry, we start the conference schedule – at home on December 3rd against Florida State. And, Kari, Florida State is probably not high on my list of teams that I would like to play first to start conference play with how tall, athletic, and physical they are. But we're, we're really jumping right into it this year with them. Yeah, Leonard Hamilton, I feel like no matter who he gets, it's the same roster, same people every year. Sometimes they're there for five years, six years, but they're always – Filled with guys that somehow end up being seven two and taller, um, older, tough, physical teams. Leonard Hamilton knows what he wants, and he will scour the country, and not just country, he will scour the globe to find that same roster that he wants. So, I think it'll be a tough challenge. Uh, we had the painful loss last year against Florida State, where I believe it was thirty five forty footer um, from one of their stud freshmen to up. I would consider it. Not maybe an upset. I know we were on the up and coming and we were definitely clawing for um, that NCAA tournament berth at that point in time, but definitely a bit of a dagger to have that loss happen. So it'd be great to get some revenge against them on our home floor and definitely try to build it out. But yeah, Florida State, never a great one to start against. Um, Hard team to get a read on, but overall, uh, hopefully UVA can make it through that non-conference schedule and really show some of their early talents and then get a good test against Florida State. Absolutely, yeah. I was at that game last year, and (laughs) that was no fun. Yeah, I think it was Matthew Cleveland. He drained like a 30-footer, and that was kind of nail in the coffin in in our tourney hopes. So still got a sour taste in my mouth from that one, but at least we'll have a chance to avenge that loss early this year. Um so, yeah, uh, the interesting thing with the schedule this year is some of the early conference games are um, kind of dispersed in the middle of the non-conference schedule. So after Florida State, we actually have some non-conference games before traveling to Miami, and then one more non-conference game against Albany before we're conference play the rest of the way. And so kind of to, to hit on the other few highlights, uh, we play UNC twice this year. We have them at home on January 10th, and then we have them in Chapel Hill uh, late February, so towards the end of the regular season. Um, we've got Virginia Tech twice, of course, 
and they should be pretty solid again this year, although they did lose some key faces. Um, they've still got some returning talent and brought in some, some pretty talented transfers. We've got Notre Dame um, at JPJ, and they've got a pretty high expectations this year. Um, I don't know, Kari, anything you're – any, anything that are storylines for you um, with the rest of the conference schedule or anything you're looking forward to? Honestly, I think we made out pretty well with the conference schedule. Uh, just, if you go up and down the conference list and see the names we're playing against, I think we luck out where a lot of the teams we're on the road against are having some down years. We're at Louisville. Louisville is not expected to be good this year. They have some great storylines between their new head coach uh, the potential chance of getting a top recruit in DJ Wagner. Um, his Nike NIL deal might be the death of that opportunity since Louisville is an Adidas school. Um, but like we play Louisville on the road. We play Tech on the road. And Tech, obviously, it's a rivalry game. So you can throw all the stats and all the rosters out the window. Those games always just mean a little more. Um, but Wake Forest, they lost a lot of talent last year. Um, Florida State, we are at Florida State, and they're always a tough team. But just up and down the schedule, I think we've made out pretty well in the road games that we have, and then we've always been a strong team at JPJ. So I honestly have some pretty high hopes and lofty expectations for this UVA team uh, from a just conference win-loss perspective. Yeah, no no doubt. And uh, we can do uh, record proje- projections here in a second, but uh, I would be remiss if I did not mention that uh, February 11th is the date that UVA fans will be circling on their calendars where we've got Duke at home. So I don't know how I failed to mention that the first time. But, yeah, Duke comes to JPJ on February 11th. And, uh, as always, that will be one that UVA fans get themselves up for. So we don't have to go to Cameron this year, so that's nice. But, um, yeah, all that being said, um, Corey, give me kind of your your prediction. Let's go, like, win-loss. overall and in league play yeah so it looks like we have what it's 11 non-conference yes it's 20 conference games that means we have 10 non-conference so looking at the non-conference i get a freebie we beat central tonight so that's one guaranteed win that i know we'll get so at least finishing one and nine but Realistically, I think Baylor's a really good team. They're experienced. They continue to find ways to do real damage in the tournament. Last year, they were an elite team with that huge comeback against UNC being down 25. So I I think it'll be tough for us to top that Baylor team. I hope we do, but I think that's going to be a good learning lesson and a good barometer for us. Um, I like us against Illinois in the next game. UCLA, too. I think we have a good roster to compete with Illinois compete with both Illinois and UCLA. Um, Michigan at Michigan might be a challenge. Um, Houston. So I would, I would say we make it out of non-conference play. I'm be a little pessimistic. I think we make it out of non-conference play at seven and three. I think we drop the game against Houston. I think we drop the game at Michigan. And then I think we drop the game against Baylor. And I think the rest, we should be pretty solid and should be able to pick up pretty easily. Um, but going from there, when we get into conference play, so we have that 20-game slate, 
as I was mentioning, I think we made out really well on what we have for road games this year. So I honestly see us probably going 15 and five in ACC play this year with losses coming at home to Duke at home to North Carolina for the second. I think we may go 0-2 against UNC this year. They have a great team. Um, I think by having Reese and Kihei on the Clark, they give, by having Reese and Kihei on the court, um, it gives us a great opportunity against guys like RJ Davis and Caleb Love and just having a really good backcourt matchup. But I think what we're still working on is that big man defense, doubling the post, um, being able to really handle leaky back, leaky black as a uh, great wing player. Um, and then just trying to figure out what that extra element Pete Nance brings to that team. So I think McConnell's going to be a really tough out. I do think we have the ability and we have the roster to get over the hump. But I think if I had to pick losses and say we're going to go 15 to 5, I got to give us two for against UNC and give us the one against Duke. I would say at Florida State, and then I think we split with Tech, and that would be my five losses there. And I think the rest we should pick up. Uh, Louisville, once again, not great this year. We should be able to handle Louisville. Clemson, we've done well against Clemson on our floor. Boston College, same. Notre Dame is a great team this year, but I think we have the tools, and just at JPJ, we should be really good there. State, great. NBA prospect in their main guy Smith and he'll be a tough out for us to try to guard but I think we should be able to handle that assignment if we were to lose another one that's probably where I put my money on is a NC State potential loss just based on one guy having a great day we have struggled with having to guard one dominant player before in the past so I can see that being a potential pitfall but outside of that I once again really 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 like the way our conference schedule laid out so I'm going to put it at uh, seven and three non-conference, fifteen and five conference for a total of twenty-two and eight coming out of the regular season, and then from there, ACC tournament and then uh, NCAA tournament. We can probably talk about that another time, but for now, I'll leave it just regular season, twenty-two and eight. Yeah, I like that a lot. I think uh, most GVA fans would be pretty happy with that. Um, yeah, so I see it very similar to you. Um, kind of thinking about the non-conference schedule I kind of feel like my my gut instinct is that we will split those big four games so Baylor UCLA or Illinois uh, Michigan and Houston I kind of feel like we'll go two and two in those games Um, I think I'm going to say that we'll be seven and three non-conference allocating for either one uh, surprising early season loss uh, versus one of the mid-majors or perhaps going one and three against those tough four non-conference opponents. So I think I'm going to go seven and three, hopefully a bit of a conservative estimate. But that being said, I wouldn't be surprised, nor would I really be disappointed if we went seven and three in non-conference play, considering how tough our schedule is. And then I think I'm going to go 14 and six in ACC play. I think, um, we will probably, you know, my my prediction at least is that we will split with Florida State, we will split with UNC, and we will split with Virginia Tech. So I think that is where three of those six losses would come. And then, you know, Duke is always tough. So well, I certainly hope that we win that game. You know, I think if I, if I had to, I would probably predict that one as a loss. 
And then so I would be predicting two other conference losses on the schedule. Not really sure exactly where those would come at this point, but a few tough ones that stick out to me would be at Wake Forest. Um, at home against Notre Dame could be tough. And then maybe one of the Syracuse games. I don't have very high expectations for Syracuse this year. I think it's going to be kind of a down year for them. Uh, but I would just say, you know, playing them twice with their 2-3 zone, um, I don't know. I, I, I could see us perhaps slipping up, but I hope that is not the case. But, but yeah, I'll go um, 7-3. 14 and six, which overall would bring us to 21 and nine. Um, I guess kind of forecasting where we stand, you know, against the rest of the ACC and then on the national stage, I would say I probably, I think that our, our preseason ranking in the ACC poll is probably fair at this point uh, where we're voted third in the ACC preseason poll. I think I would say that we'll probably finish second. Um, the media loves voting Duke ahead of us, but last year was, I think, the first year in something ridiculous, like 10 years, that they've actually um, won the ACC regular season. Um, so I think I like us finishing second. Um, and then on the national stage, I, I think I like us as about a a four seed or so in the NCAA tournament, so... Car, you have any initial thoughts on ACC standings and um, NCAA tournament seeding for us towards the end of the year? I think that two, three-line assessment is probably right for the ACC. I think Duke is a extremely young team, Jeremy Roach being back as the point guard as the only member that got significant minutes and has some experience in that team. And he also kind of came into his own later down the road in the season uh, for Duke fans that I'm close with. He was not necessarily always everyone's favorite in the beginning um, as a good old guy out of PVI. I'm sure uh, Sean, you're excited to see a Virginia guy doing well down there at Duke. But um, I think right there, that two, three line seems really solid. I just think UNC has got a really, really tough team this year. And I just don't see them dropping many games at that one spot. I do think the way the rivalry set up, them having to play Duke twice, NC State twice, and then us twice, um, does set them up in a pretty tough spot where I could see them falling to that second or third spot and letting us slide up into that one position just due to some of those matchups. Um, but yeah, and in terms of the national scale, I think I could see our peak being at a two seed. And that really comes down to how do we perform um, in those non-conference games? We have some great opportunities to pick up some quad one wins uh, for our listeners that aren't familiar with uh, the net rankings. These are essentially how a lot of those seeding decisions are made. Um, quad one based off of where you are in the net. If you're at home, you must be playing a one through 25 net ranked team for it to count as a quad one win, neutral one through 50, and then uh, on the road one through 75, I believe is what it is. Maybe one through 60, but uh, we'll check on those numbers later. But Either way, we have some great opportunities, uh, like at Michigan should be a quad one opportunity versus Houston, quad one opportunity, uh, UCLA and Illinois and Baylor, all in neutral should be quad one opportunities. So just getting a chance to have four quad one wins or at least four quad one games is huge in the beginning. 
and we have plenty of other opportunities at with UNC on the schedule twice, getting Duke at home. Um, we're on the road at some pretty solid places. Not great teams, but solid enough. And if they win some games, it should help us out too. So I think we just have a good opportunity where come March, it could look back and say, oh, wow, this UVA team finished 7-5 and five in quad one or 6-6 six and six in quad one and then maybe one or two quad two losses. Yeah, we need to move them up to that two or three seed line. Um, so I think if we continue to just play our style of basketball, control the pace, control the games, and just play the schedule the way it's set up, uh, we should be in a really good opportunity um, for us just having a really good seed line come March. I like that. Absolutely. Um, so maybe we can just end with, you know, end with uh, some individual predictions. So I guess uh, maybe we can call this like our our hot take segment or, or whatever. But um, I think I will say that Reese Beekman will be the ACC Defensive Player of the Year. Um, yeah, I guess – I'll start with that as kind of my individual hot take. Maybe it's not that hot of a take, but that's my individual prediction. I'm going to go really hot takes. I think this is the year Kihei Clark works his way back into the uh, all-ACC teams. Uh, he, in my opinion, has gotten better as the years have gone on. The team around him has also gotten better. Um, obviously, he had a simple job as a freshman. Uh, first year, not trying to diminish what he did for that team, but his job was just run the show, pass the ball, didn't, wasn't asked to score. But when he's been asked to do more, um, he was able to really live up to that role. And I think this is a season where we have the pieces around him to let him really thrive as a good on-ball defender, score when he can. Uh, for him being as short as he is, I think he might actually have the best post-up game out of our guard. So um, we'll see. But I think that's my hot take. I think Kihei might slide his way into that third team all ACC if we have the season that we're supposed to. And then he's able to be that second or third best player on the team um, alongside Reese and Jaden Gardner. I like it. Kari going on record as a, a Kihei fan from day one. So I like that. Um, yeah, man, when you deliver the national championship to the team, uh, we have to remember what he did. And I think uh, this man is going to play his heart out this season for the Hoos. And I think this is going to be the year where he kind of just any negative takes, he just takes them and proves people wrong, including myself. I have had some hot Kihei takes in the opposite direction. So this year I'm going to go all in on the uh, positive hot takes. I like it. All right. Um so, yeah, I guess that kind of brings us to the end of what we had planned to talk about today. Um, we'll kind of see what frequency we can get episodes out. But, you know, hopefully while basketball season is going on, we can shoot for something like once a week. Um, but, yeah, I mean, anything else, Kari, that you wanted to, to hit on today? or No, man, I think it's going to be fun. Uh, hopefully we aren't recording all these at, you know, a uh, little past midnight. Uh definitely a little tough to do would have been easier in our college days to stay up late and knock these things out but hopefully we find a good rhythm to these but looking forward to it and uh trying to build a listenership absolutely man well yeah thanks thanks everyone for listening um i guess we're gonna get this out hopefully we'll make some twitter account or something but but yeah if you uh if you enjoyed the episode you know hopefully you keep listening and uh interact with us on twitter or give us any kind of things you want us to talk about we'd be happy to happy to do it so 
thanks for listening. And uh, until next time, go Hoos.